Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. We're uh, here at Studio Z is what Matt has dubbed it. Studio Z uh, just outside Dogtown and uh, uh, we're happy to be here. We've got a good crew tonight as always. Let's start with Stu. Stu, how's it going, man? It's going pretty well. Uh, pretty uh, got to a concert last night for the first time Whoa. in forever. So it was good to see the pageant again. It's been way too long. Yeah. What was that show? I saw a few pictures from different people. Uh, Krung. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce Krungabin? it either. That's why Krungabin? I asked. Live music. It doesn't matter what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. What you're listening to. The show looked incredible. Like it, the it visuals. Was, and, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. It, it looks was cool. Absolutely fantastic. Good. And and good to be, yeah, do the live, uh, you know, live soccer, live show. It's all a new feeling again. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, man? Doing well. We're 10 days out from Christmas as we're recording, mm-hmm. which is important to know with kids. Yeah. Feel like we're in a good place here, so ready to ready to just relax a little bit. Good. Uh, Jake, how are you, man? Doing pretty well. Um, I feel like it's been only, I guess it's only been two weeks. But I was like, I haven't seen you guys in so long. And I feel like yeah. everything's, there's so much has happened. Um, and then also the, although I'm still watching a lot of soccer and everyone's getting into midweek games, post MLS, I was just like, well, because I'm on the radio in Portland. And I was like, I can't really talk about the Timbers. It's only been like three days. And I'm like, if I mention anything about the Timbers, it's just sad and depressing. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Because <laughs> I'll talk about the Blazers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about Christmas plans? Everyone inviting people to their house, going somewhere else. What are you doing, Jake? Going. So I'm from Kansas. Yeah, I, think I said that like 20 times in the <laughs> few episodes I've been on. Headed home. But heading home. Heading back to Kansas. Good. Matt, I feel like you're gonna invite people over. Uh, yeah. So we try. We try our best to invite people over, as, as opposed to getting the kids out of the house. It's. I, I've dubbed it the one day of the year where it's okay when the house is trashed because it's supposed to be trashed oh. with wrapping paper everywhere. You have an excuse. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. I need to I need to take advantage of that. We do the same thing. We're like, okay, we have kids. We're not going anywhere on Christmas. We go every other holiday. Same thing for us. So, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Stuart, what are you doing? Uh, going over to my parents' house. Uh, my brother's coming in from uh, Salt Lake City and some other family are coming into Ooh. town. So. Is he a soccer fan? Uh, he is. He actually, well, uh he was, and then, you know, he broke his ankle growing up, and then he decided to focus on academics, and that's why he's a doctor, and I'm not right now, so uh, one of many reasons why I'm not a doctor. But he actually got me a Utah Royals scarf right before they uh, moved back to Kansas City, so Man. he he likes going to RSL games, so. That's cool. Good. So in your family tree, it's either soccer fan or doctor? Those are the two paths <laughs> to take? Uh, shockingly, yeah, I think I have... Uh, three cousins that are doctors mm-hmm. um, and most, most played soccer growing up. So um, they made their choice. Yeah. Yeah. So are, are your parents more disappointed that you're not a doctor or that you live in St. Louis? <laughs> oh, they're happy. I'm in St. Louis. That's good. The underlying assumption that they're disappointed in Stu either way. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I mean, we're in my, I'm, this might be a, a, a view into my family, but parents are always disappointed in their kids somehow. <laughs> That's my view. Well, you've, you've all met my dad, so you know that's that's true already. So yeah, no, um, he's the happiest man on the planet. No, my my brother is the heir, and I'm the spare. So you know, anything Perfect. I do is just bonus. So uh, I I don't think they're 
too terribly disappointed. <laughs> well, it's good to be a soccer fan in St. Louis this year. Uh, we've been raving about SLU, and um, SLU, you know, it's an unfortunate one. They lost to Washington in that last round that they played in. Um, but, man, they've had such a cool year. We raved about how awesome they look on the field. Uh, Stu, you weren't here, so I want to start with you. You want to talk about SLU? Maybe start with whatever you want to talk about with SLU, but, you know, maybe uh, move us into this this final game they played. Well, it was it was great uh, just seeing how St. Louis reacted to SLU getting that far. Uh, obviously a really good team and a lot of, you know, SLU alumni that live in the St. Louis area. So, you know, that was fun, fun energy, seeing all the watch parties set up. And I think uh, in addition to Amsterdam Tavern, there's uh, Beffa's um, somewhere in Westport, right? Or what? just Westport. Yeah, I think so. They've been trying to market themselves more of a soccer bar. Ah, what's the name again? I'm sorry. Uh, well, Westport, I think, was that one. That is at Westport over by uh, Worldwide's HQ. Okay. It's actually... It's is it Westport cool. Social? Is that what you yeah. mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, and uh, I know Beffa's is definitely trying to market themselves as a soccer bar now, but, you know, it takes a lot of <laughs> dedication to be an actual mm-hmm. soccer bar. You got to... Got to open the doors at 6.30 on games and uh, deal with all sorts of rowdy folk at various hours. And, you know, if you open at 6.30 and only five people show up, Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to stick with it until crowds start showing up. That's a good point. Um, But anyways, no, the the atmosphere at the Amsterdam was absolutely fantastic. Problems Uh, with the feed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was... uh, the feed cut out. Almost Not due to Amsterdam. I got to clear that up at least. Yeah. Well, there were issues with the feed all all game, um, particularly at the Amsterdam, just because uh, the the link that they gave Washington University or Uni- University of Washington gave was uh, <coughs> couldn't be streamed. So poor uh, Billy's trying to get it on the main TVs, and everyone's just watching on their phones for the rest of the game. But which was the first awful thing is you had to go to a link on Washington's website, Pac-12 hosted by Washington. It wasn't a national right. or any any kind of syndication type thing. And it's up to the university or their sports department mm-hmm. because someone said that SLU or the hosting team gets to decide where right. it's streamed. So Duke and SLU chose ESPN. University of Washington chose what they chose. Chaos. It seems very weird to just have most of the it's well it seemed like most of the games because all of our games are on ESPN but even other college soccer games on ESPN or uh, with Big Ten Network as Fox and to watch Indiana and, and to just be like nope yeah <laughs> alright you can decide I, I you almost Very see strange. like why not NCAA like work some kind of deal to get a stream going at least for the, the cup like yeah, it was brutal. NCAA didn't seem to care too much about that's, the yeah. Cup, given <laughs> that's the that answer. they were allowing that game to be played on that field. Yeah. Just gross. Yeah, it was a bad <laughs> field. I don't know. You know, we can't blame the field, but gosh, it really was nasty. Um, any thoughts about that game or any other thoughts about their season, Stuart? I know you probably watched it better than we did. No, they had a fantastic season, and yeah. uh, they're losing a lot of talent. Um, so we'll see how uh, Coach Kalish uh, responds to that. But there's a lot of special players on that team. So um, a lot of fun to watch. 
I don't know how far the team will go next year, but a lot of the guys on that roster are going to go very far. So we'll uh, we'll watch their careers with great interest. Yeah, last time we talked about a SLU pipeline as well as the city pipeline. So it would be really cool if SLU can keep pulling from Scott Gallagher and even the, the city academy once they start graduating kid, kids out. So we'll see. We'll be able to watch that for, for a long time coming. Um, that'll lead us right into uh, the SLU players that were invited to the MLS College Showcase, which was um, happening at the same time as the MLS College Sorry, the NCAA College Cup in Cary, North Carolina. Um, but for the showcase, which is like the combine for MLS, um, SLU players were invited. It's Simon Betcher was invited, who was a first-team All-American as well. Schult- Patrick Schulte was invited. Kip Keller was invited, who was a second-team All-American for the NCAA. And Isaiah Parker was invited. So four SLU players going to the combine. That's more than usual for sure. So that lines up with what you're ta- what you're saying. Um Stuart, that it was a really good year for SLU and probably graduating some guys out. That would be really nice if, you know, a couple of those guys stayed behind for uh, next year's draft, but we'll see. I sense heartache in our future here in the next (laughs) uh, few weeks. And the MLS Super Draft happens at the beginning of January. And uh, we we knew what we were, we knew what to expect last year with Jack Mayer going to, uh, going to Nashville. Obviously, he's not going to stick around for us, um, but I, I sense a lot of heartache coming up. Have the Generation Adidas players been announced? Schulte is no, like the perfect candidate for that, and that's what worries me. I feel I like know. that's one of those things that MLS likes to announce like right before it becomes pertinent. Like they, they wait until the last day or two to do just about anything, which, I mean, we see that all the time in everything where it's it's nothing's announced until it happens we'll talk about we're talking about mls next pro a few steps down so right speaking of deciding the day before right (laughs) but uh i I wouldn't expect to hear generation adidas until like the week before um, yeah and that's usually goff who uh Mm. even goff Goff, leaks that leaks (laughs) quote leaks leaks releases (laughs) um so yeah, I mean, I don't, I've been meaning to look up who's an actual senior, but Schulte's not a senior. He's like a sophomore, I believe. Um, but I think Betcher is a senior. I imagine Parker is a senior. I don't know what. Um, who's the other forward next to Betcher all the time? What's his name? No, oh, Chris. There's Chris. Chris Bruch. Um, yeah, Parker. Parker's a freshman, actually. Oh, for real? Yeah. Awesome. Starring him, so I can look him up, keep better track of him. Uh, I, so Keller would be a junior, and I guess Schulte is a junior. Okay, so there's a chance if these guys really wanted to be homers, they could stay on another year. But that, do you want to risk that? I mean, I don't want to make it sound like they're not homers if they don't stay on another year because they could get injured. If you have an opportunity to go pro now and make money, why would you say no in some ways? Well, and you figure that with the the combine having just happened, and we know that MLS teams were there scouting, preparing for the Super Draft, they are probably having people clubs reach out to them or there's conversations happening that gives them a sense of what to do yeah. if they haven't made the decision now it's they're probably going to make it here pretty shortly and unofficial based on, yeah based on what happened in the combine unofficial agents at this point too probably advising them all and, kinds of people in your ear right now right yeah. yeah 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 but yeah if you're only getting mls league one offers maybe you stick around for another year that's a good point there matt that they they're probably going to get a sense of what they can do based on who's getting giving them offers um, so yeah, let's move on from there. 
Um, I think that leads us right into if we have a combine, that means expansion, or sorry, that, that means a draft is on the way. The first of those drafts is MLS expansion draft, which happened two nights ago. And there's a lot to say here. Matt, I feel like you need to start us off. You had an incredible thread about what to look for, some of the rules that, that um, we needed to watch for throughout the thing. Um, so why don't you get us started on some of those things, perhaps? Yeah, and it, so I took note, obviously, because ours is just one year away. So it's, it's always good to know what you're going to get into. This was the dress rehearsal for us. This was what we can expect. So going into it... Um, there were some names that were names and teams that were kind of discussed the day of um, day before on Twitter. And it was interesting to see how the, the event was unfolding uh, live, but for our purposes, I think it's just interesting to see what the process is. So it has evolved over time. So it's gone when you entered, when you were having two or three expansion teams every year. So to the past few years over the past four or five years now, it's, five rounds only. So it's not super long. It's not drawn out. It's five rounds where you only have three minutes per round to make your picks. And it's one of those things where you're the only team picking. You have three minutes, air quotes, per round. You know what you're going to do the entire draft. You don't have anybody that you have to worry about running up against. They did get a timeout, right? One or two timeouts. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Draft timeouts. Right. Um, But no, so they... The, the way that Charlotte played out is their draft was a mix of players and GAM. So they had trades lined up. You can't make, that's the other thing, you can't make trades during the draft. But the draft is, I feel, just the formality of the fact. Yeah. So even on the broadcast, they took a commercial break, they came back, and all of a sudden, oh man, they made trades. Where did they come from? <laughs> I actually read um, a, a recap of the draft and... They talked about how Tristan Blackman knew he was going to be picked and that he was also going to be traded. He was going to get flipped. Yeah. Yeah. It totally is. I don't know what the phrase was. You just used it was perfect. So it's, it's almost staged. That's that's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's the expansion draft when you're watching it happen. It's a formality. Yeah. Formality. Yeah. And so they had their, they had a few fans there, which is a pretty cool, like little backdrop and they had their fans introduced. That was the coolest thing. I thought they had the Mm -hmm. fans introduce the picks. Um, but yeah, during the draft itself, you know, there's no, there's no trades. There's no, you just, you do your picks. And then as soon as your fifth pick is in, you can do trades, which you had already, you know, they already planned out. So yeah. they knew that they were going to stock up on GAM. They knew they were going to come away with a few players. Ultimately five rounds, you're not going to get like groundbreaking roster, you know, game changers. Their whole plan is pretty clearly to base their roster on their international players and and load up on GAM to use. Um, as an expansion team, it it's important. I mean, I don't I don't know. We, I don't think we have time this week to get into it. But there are a lot of considerations related to GAM um, for building your roster. Every team gets like a set amount of GAM per year. The expansion team gets almost the same amount extra, mm-hmm. uh, just to do with as you please. So Charlotte came into this year with just an additional like million million plus of GAM. And they've been spending on international roster slots, which are a finite uh, resource in MLS. So you have right now, I think it was eight roster slots per team is what it averages out to be. Um, so Charlotte started with that, and then they've been they traded for Nashville to get two more. Um, they're probably going to add another one or two, and the international roster slots work where if you are not a citizen or have a green card in the U.S then you have to f- 
fill up the international roster slot. If you don't have those by like the roster lock date, which is basically two days before the season starts. And so if you, if they can't get their guys green cards by then, they're going to fill a roster slot international for the entire year, mm-hmm. which that's, those are, those are resources that Charlotte's choosing to use. Some teams choose to go more domestic, choose to go more of their academies, homegrowns. Um, seems like we're seeing a pretty heavy slant towards international players for Charlotte. And this expansion draft kind of furthered that to me where they, they were making up GAM that they had just spent on um, on international slots. So Charlotte Charlotte's sporting director is, I forget the guy's name, but he is uh, in the same mode as Lutz where he is a former scout. He uh, has international connections and it seems like they're utilizing that network to bring in international players. So Absolutely it does. kind of makes me wonder, given all of the local focuses for us, how much we're going to follow that follow suit just based on who he knows, his connections, and and who he might be able to identify that might be um, you know gems in the sand type of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it's almost a worry. I mean, these guys have not just doubled down; they've tripled down on international slots. I've I've found that to be very interesting, and I think we'll get into that a little more. I, th- I think I think the next best thing is to like list the players that were drafted and what teams they were from, because these also affect us, right? And Stuart, we'll, we'll hit mm-hmm. you up after I list these. Um, McKenzie Gaines came from Austin FC, who's an Austin native, mm-hmm. but they didn't use him much. So it is awkward, right? But um, they only used him in nine games last year, 20 minute per game about average. He only got one goal in those, in those appearances. Um, quality guy, though, spent a lot of time in Germany. Anton Walks is a center back from Atlanta United. British guy, English guy, um, quality, played almost every game last year, but they were looking to trade him before this happened, so that was another easy pickup. Um, Joseph Mora has a green card, even though he's Costa Rican, so he counts as a domestic player. Um, He's a left back, so he'll be behind uh, Fuchs, Christian Fuchs, or, you know, Fuchs can can play a few positions, so who knows there. Um, Tristan Blackman is an interesting one. I think we should definitely touch on the trades and for gam uh he was um he was drafted fourth but he was already planned to be given to vancouver for 350,000 in gam and i think another 125,000 the following year um ismail tajari shradi is from nycfc i believe he made a substitute appearance in the final if i'm not mistaken and if that's him um they were saying how quality that guy is that he's very goal dangerous this seemed like a good pickup to me but they actually sold him to lafc <laughs> to four hundred thousand. um gam tristan blackman too this is this is the one the only thing i'll say shortly and quickly is that tristan blackman is a weird pickup to get and then sell on like if you're going to double down on international international slots not keeping someone as quality as Tristan Blackman is a very strange move to me. That means like hopefully someone really good is coming in for that right back spot or they have a massive plans for that gam they got for him because he's a quality player that they just let go. Same for um, Sharadi from New York City FC. You know, they didn't hold on to him. They just wanted the money so that they could go find who they want. Um, I don't know. What do you think about all of those things, Stuart? Um, all those player pickups and all the moves that were made? 
Well, Gaines is uh, kind of hilarious because Austin used him as one of their main marketing tools when <laughs> he went to Austin last year. Because being an Austin native, he, he was part of Lone Star FC Youth Club. Um, no, Mc, Mackenzie Gaines is an interesting one. He's a, he's a low-risk guy. Uh, yeah. He was very hyped when he went to Germany. He signed with Darmstadt uh, 98 in, um, gosh... 2016 2017 seven or eight years ago yeah yeah so he was there for a while i think he also ended up in hoffenheim after or hanover he went from darmstadt to hanover and um yeah then he came back stateside so he didn't really find as much success as you would have hoped but he is a big body he's he's got technical skill um so he could put it together or you know in uh four years you'll join the who the hell is that guy list of all the <laughs> forgotten busts of the era. I've always thought he could be a stunner in USL. So I always thought he was going to go to USL, but that's about that level. And sorry, I interrupted though. What else? Oh, do you no, um, no Blackman's like you touched on. He's, he's a really talented guy. He can play right back. He can play center back. Um, I was looking it up. And uh, LAFC was using him a lot in a, you know, three at the back Mm -hmm. style situation. Um, Getting a veteran quality center back in the expansion draft seems like a uh, a gift from God type thing. I mean, that's what Nashville got with Zimmerman. And uh, it just seems like that's a key step towards building a solid expansion team. But Maybe Charlotte thinks they already have that with Fuchs, so I don't know. But um, does does Fuchs actually have a green card? Do you know anyone? Good question. I don't know. But they did get Anton Walks as that Atlanta United center back, and I think he's pretty veteran, but I don't know. He played every game, but Atlanta wasn't looking to keep him at all, so I don't know. Yeah, it looks very obvious that they don't want to yeah. build their team around the expansion draft. It's probably a wise choice, but... um. Yeah, they they really the two best pieces that they took in the expansion draft they traded away right away. So. That's how I felt exactly. Well, and that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder not just are all of these five players somebody that Charlotte was targeting the whole time, or did Vancouver reach out to Charlotte and say we want Blackman <laughs> and we're willing to give you <laughs> X amount of gam if you take him at mm-hmm. some point? So. I'm not saying Charlotte didn't know who they were going to take or they didn't have like five guys that they wanted, but that kind of quick already pre like predetermined trade has me wondering like who initiated what, like how do you, and like having seen some in the NFL, like there've been documentaries about like GMs talking to each other and you see in major league baseball, there's been some insight into like how those trades are made. But I always wonder who initiates what, and is it, is it Nick Kelly reaching out or is it um, is it Charlotte reaching out to other teams just putting feelers out there like you guys want to give us some gam mm-hmm. or or how, like is it Vancouver as the other team reaching out and saying we we want this guy and we want you to take him. We don't have a mechanism to get him right now, but we want him. And if you do that, we're going to give you 400,000 for him or 350 plus 125 next year. 
It's like a expansion draft chicken in the egg. Who knows? Yeah, that's really interesting. And why not? You know, why not in the future if if there's a, another expansion draft in say Las Vegas or whatever? Um, maybe that's a move we want to make. Um, so the five teams we're gonna hit you next, Jake. Here, um, Aus, sorry, Austin, Atlanta United, DC United officially is the Joseph Mora team, even though they got rid of them. I don't know. It's a weird thing. LAFC, NYCFC. Those five teams are the teams that St. Louis will not be able to pick a player from. So if you see someone you like from those teams, they will be unavailable. There's a million other guys that are unavailable for different reasons, which Matt um, outlined very nicely in his thread on Twitter about the expansion draft. Um, But perhaps, um, Jake, if you want to talk about anything on the draft, Perhaps even I think we're going to pivot to how it affects St. Louis in 2023 or how you'd like St. Louis to do their draft. What do you think, Jake? Well, I got questions. And although I was in our group chat throwing shade at the local sports guy not knowing anything and asking stupid questions, now I'm going to be the guy who asks stupid questions. No, I I love the shade, though, because (laughs) I I, I wasn't watching the draft live. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, please tell me he actually did mistake LAFC for LA Galaxy. He did. And oh, he 100% did. Poor guy. Yeah, because they, well, they got Blackman, <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, and exciting. He'll be playing his rival team on their opening day. And it's like, nope, there's a big old <laughs> sign behind you that says LA Galaxy. Buy your tickets now. <laughs> you could see, like, Kalen Carr and the other guy are just like, oh, God. <laughs> but I guess over, I mean, I was asking questions last time we talked about the expansion draft in general. To me, it almost seems like, what? What's the point? I, I thought they were going to get way more than, than five guys. Five, ooh, five guys. Oh, five guys. Five guys want to sponsor us? <laughs> Take some fries. Um, Cajun fries. I, I thought I thought it would be more than five rounds, I guess. And everything, everything like you said, I think that Vancouver thing, like they reached out, they're like, oh, we want this guy. That seems very probable and very likely. And how, okay, these guys that they bring in that we could potentially bring in, how, how much are we going to re- rely on them to like we're gonna bring them in and be like, yeah, these are our players that are gonna be our standout starting players. Or like, do you really need to go in to get these types of players, or is it better to just like get some extra money from MLS, um, and or have access or however you want to put it, not like be handed out money, but have the option to spend more money, um, and then just build your team without going through this whole charade. I'm call it a charade because mm-hmm. even even the cutaways of the fans announcing the people seemed like they were pre-recorded. So it's like <laughs> yeah, they all these picks are already done. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, first of all, get used to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is MLS, MLS written all over it. But but I mean, in a so us going in next year, what's the if there's a probability or like, do you think we can go in and be like, OK, we're going to get five solid guys. Or are these just going to be depth positions? So, because it doesn't make it exciting to me. So my my answer to that is going to get a little nerdy, and it's the fact that I hope we don't leverage the expansion draft to fill key positions in our roster. I think I think adding depth mm. is probably what we could hope for. Um, getting a little more, as Kalen Carr liked to say on the broadcast, flexibility in our, our roster spending is going to be important. Um, but if we're in a position to make really key selections from the expansion draft, I think something will have gone wrong in our overall roster build. And the reason I say that is for the expansion draft, every team protects 12 players from one of their like main roster slots. Like they're, the way MLS roster rules are, there's like a senior roster uh, slot, which is like 1 through 20 uh, of the players. There's a um, supplemental, which is like 21 through 28, and then reserve 29 and 30 type thing. So 
Every team can protect 12. Designated players, so the players who you can pay like $20 million a year for, and there's no limit. Designated players, each team can have three, and you you have to choose to protect them. So they're not oh. automatically protected anymore. They used to be, but they're not anymore. Hmm. So let's say a team has... Uh, Five total designated players between regular DPs and like the under 22 initiative, which we could talk about later. Let's say five that they're paying just a godly amount to. They have to choose those five and they can choose seven more. So you get 12 players in your roster. So if you think about it, everybody who's up for selection is either player 13 through 30. So they're not even a theoretical starting 11 player. Mm. Um, or there's some other consideration in play. Like, I think Diego Valeri was uh, available from Portland, um, who is you know, aging. You might have, you might not have played. Aiden Stanley was another one from Portland who was mm. um, available for selection. I'm sorry, Austin, who was available for selection. He wasn't even under contract. <laughs> which is the other thing. Same with Mora, who was chosen. Which is the other thing, is that players who are not under contract are still essentially, how do I word this? They're... They, they are still the responsibility of, the probably the best way I could put it, the responsibility of the team who just decided to not make them under contract. Yeah. So they're, they can be uh, given up or put up for the expansion. So those types of players, Generation Adidas players, what we were talking about earlier, Generation Adidas players are automatically uh, off, off limits. So yeah. Jack, Jack Mayer, this is the thing that will impact us, untouchable. He's still under the Generation Adidas contract for next year, untouchable for St. Louis City. So those kinds of considerations that go into play for who is made available by teams kind of inherently makes it the like whatever the opposite of the cream of the crop is. So and some weird stuff happens too. So I've heard some stories since then. One really good one is Joe Corona was picked by Austin FC, but then they didn't sign him. So just because he's right. drafted doesn't mean they're going to sign him. I did it. And uh, <laughs> um, but so he went to Houston across state rival quote rival right so i found that very interesting there's also an lafc player who was up for the draft who is there like i think he always played left wing he's really good um it doesn't matter but he was basically is it atuesta was sold to like south america and so he was officially could have been chosen in the expansion draft but that just bought his rights for mls and so they'd have to like try to win him away from whatever club he was already sold to very strange situation. They didn't dip their finger into that situation, but it could have been very weird and, and fun. Well, it's almost, it's almost similar, I think to the NFL where you draft somebody, but he's not automatically like going to play for you. Yes. If he doesn't come to terms or you can't, you can't figure out how to, you gain his rights. Like MLS is big about having a player's rights, whether they're domestic or foreign or discovery rights, all those kinds of things where like it, it goes back to the single entity structure where uh, the league has, you know, every team has to call dibs essentially. And be, this is another mechanism where you get the rights to a player or you're able to negotiate with the player. That doesn't mean that they're confirmed going to sign with you if you can't make it work within all the other mechanisms of your roster. Uh, with your, because MLS is a salary cap league. So if you can't figure out how to sign this player in the range of your salary caps with the game that you have allowed, then that player just might, you have to move the player because you don't want to just in Austin's case, you don't want to take the player and get nothing from them. Mm -hmm. So there, I mean, there's a lot of considerations that go into that, which makes me ultimately all of this just goes back to my biggest overarching point, which is that if you want to be a successful team quickly, 
in MLS, you have to know all of this, yeah. all this crap, like all of the, all these roster rules, all of this, all the, the way you can sign players, how you can buy down uh, players' contracts to make them fit under, under the salary budget hit, all those things that if you're not careful and you don't make the right choices and you overspend or you don't take into consideration GAM and TAM, mm-hmm. then you're, you're going to mess up and you're going to end up like FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Or like Inner Miami, who oh. seemed to have purposely uh, broken the rules, roster rules, and uh, I think they might have just thought they were too big to fail. And you, you could just choose to assume that nobody's going to come after you. Yeah, yeah. I personally, I think Bex uh, probably thought that uh, yeah. he had that LA Galaxy charm of uh, Garber used to always uh, bend the rules, roster rules for LA Galaxy, and. Maybe he thought he'd do that for Inter Miami, but I think he would have gotten away with it. But all the other owners called him out, and I think they had no. I, I was going to say I remember it. I remember it coming up pretty early by the Athletic. Sam and Sam Stasekel and Paul Tenorio. I wonder mm-hmm. how much of that was. Oh yeah, it was going to come out, so MLS had to do something. Yeah, Matt owners leaked it. And yeah, yeah, that's the, how it works. Yeah, there were a few people who were the uh, who was the fourth uh, DP that they signed. Was um, it the f- guy who was playing for France in the World Cup? Um, wasn't it him? Ma, no, Matuidi. No, I don't know if it was Matuidi, but there was one that uh, people were like, "There's no way he signed for a range that oh, could be yeah. bought, bought down by Gam." And yeah, it turned out he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> turned out he couldn't. <laughs> you made a couple good points there. Um, one is the, like the single entity idea, and there was I don't usually like MLS Buzz on Twitter. I he's so rude all the time. I don't like it. I just, that's the, really the only thing I don't like. He's so negative and rude all the time, but he made a good point here. He said, Charlotte are trading two of their five expansion picks for $1 million in allocation money. That's smooth from them, but clubs having their players taken from them for next to nothing that they work to sign, right? They scouted and found these players all on their own just for those players to be sold off for another team's profit, right? So it's not like Charlotte's like, we want this player. We're going to take him and use him. Uh, be and all for the betterment of the league, right? Single entity. Well, they're not even keeping those guys. They're just like, well, who wants these guys so we can have some more money? Like it feels very weird and wrong, right? That, and it's only wrong because in the grand scheme of how global soccer works, it's the opposite of that. I'm not. I, sometimes I get caught up on the weirdness of MLS, but it is what it is for a reason. We don't want to go into that today, but you know, like you made a good point there that you got to follow these rules and you got to use them to your best ability. However they look to world soccer. Well, an an expansion draft itself is an an American product and it follows other American sports hockey. We just saw it with the Seattle Kraken. The NFL does it. Major league baseball did it. I mean, it's, it is a non pro rel type type function or or mechanism to help get players or or enter the league with special consideration for you as the incoming team that everybody else had already had at some way shape or form so my my take on the mls buzz thing was that all the other teams that came into the league from the fire on had this kind of mechanism and consideration so the notion that like all these other teams are now in some hardship because they had to give up uh, a player or so to charlotte it's it's all like it all comes around to all the other teams. So I'm not going to feel bad for Austin having to give up a local guy because Austin did the same thing to all the other teams mm-hmm. who did the same thing to all the other teams. It's it's just a known thing in the league. Now we can debate whether or not 
having an expansion draft itself is worthwhile or even valuable to mm-hmm. the teams. But I think the notion that it's it's have, forcing a hardship on the other teams is kind of absurd. I agree with that as well. But also expansion's not happening anywhere else in the world in soccer. Mm-hmm. So that's like, and part of that is because there's no pro rel, right? If we don't need expansion, all you have to do is buy a USL club, right? If there's pro rel and eventually they'll work their way up, just add another slot to MLS and you got a team that can probably compete the following year. They're all ready with infrastructure and everything. You don't need to give them any, uh, you know, boosts to help them compete. Um, but, um, you know, expansion draft is, is what it is. Um, it's fun to talk about those things. So, you know, I'm not mad or anything like that. So, uh, any other thoughts before we move on? Oh yeah. I was just gonna, uh, so as far as when you're talking about quirky MLS, uh, rules and everything, uh, do you guys remember the Jermaine Jones, uh, saga when he came to MLS? No. So Jermaine Jones wanted to sign for Chicago fire, I believe. It was when he, this was off of uh, right after the 2014 World Cup or the year after, something like that. Anyways, the uh, uh, Chicago didn't have his international or allocation spot because he was a U.S. international. So they decided it by opening up an envelope at midfield, I believe, and I was broadcast. <laughs> Garber opened it up and pulled the name of the team that would sign him and get us it was it was so bizarre what? it was it was literally an envelope that they opened it, i i'm i'm a bit fuzzy on it but it was up there on one of the weirdest just silliest things <laughs> that I might be my favorite did. thing so you're saying they've come a long way like this is much better than that at least <laughs> i mean come a long way in i guess five years but yeah <laughs> the stupid thing is like i hear you say that and having spent so much time looking into MLS roster rules like I can see how you could come to that conclusion especially like back in the like years ago eight eight years ago or so what could because U.S. men's national team players aren't a part of like discovery rights as they come into the league you know you have an allocation order and and when players become available in that pool U.S. national team are, are the main like Christian Pulisic you can't have rights on him mm-hmm. so they come into the league and they're like I'm gonna play for MLS it's like all right whoever has allocation gets to select them if they choose to. If not, it goes to the next team, next team. And then Garber's like, oh, well, somebody who's coming across this list might like, see like three or four teams have an option. Let's just, let's make a spectacle out of it. Because mm-hmm. why not make a spectacle out of it? I'm surprised they haven't made like a movie out of that yet. <laughs> are, are we going to talk about the Kurt Warner movie now and the Netflix uh, no, response I, I was to it? Of the, uh, <laughs> the FIFA movie with Seth Blatter. Uh, not seen that. Cringe. Um, but no, I didn't hear about this Kurt Warner. What comes out Christmas Day? I just recorded a commercial for it today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did Netflix say though? But Netflix is doing a. Uh, I forgot if it's a coach or it's a movie about a coach. But it's the guy from King of oh, Queens. No, it's the Sean it's Payton Paul one. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Sean Payton. Yeah, it's Sean Payton when that that year that he got suspended by the NFL. Yeah. And he was off for a year, and he went and coached his kids' team. And it's got a uh, who's a kid from Twilight, uh, Taylor Lautner. That's funny. He's the head coach of the high school team. I thought you were going to say Taylor Lautner's his kid. (laughs) (laughs) That could be too. I don't know much about this. I I think that's clear by now, but is it supposed to be funny or are they trying to be serious? That's what I'm worried about. There's no way that is a serious movie. Okay, good. I hope it's supposed to be cute and funny. 
We'll see. There's, I mean, there's no. I was, I was laying in bed watching it. I watched preview. I just audibly said, "This is the stupidest <laughs> shit I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, like this is supposed to be Sean Payton, and this is supposed to be like uh, based on a true story. <laughs> this is absurd. Well, this has been fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect to talk about this. I want to talk shortly, I, and we should make it quick. This is we're already like two thirds into this podcast, and we have a lot more to talk about. Um, but how do we want St. Louis to go after this? What do we think about international slots versus domestic versus playing our own guys? Claiming home grounds. We've talked about the best way to go about things, Matt. And I think you've probably thought this through quite a bit. So what do you think? Start with you. Well, we've spent a lot of time talking about how we want our academy to be utilized. Um, in February or so, when the MLS NP roster is revealed, um, we'll get a little more insight into who's making that jump. Um, I think we'll also get some insight into who we bring in. So... While we've been talking about the academy, I think that's going to be the real big flashpoint of, all right, this is real. This group, not the U17s, but this group here is who's going to be uh, selected from to an extent. So we we might get into MLSNP, but there are going to be contracted players who play for that team. There's going to be some academy promotions. I look heavily to that because Lutz has been putting such an emphasis on growing uh, players, having them learn the system uh, from the 14s on up. And so these are going to be the players who know the system the best. And so as much talent as you can have, I think it would be a cool story if half the team ended up playing for our MLS uh, MLS team if the talent was there. I, mm. Now, it's a big if because we don't know the type of talent. We don't know the the level of competition that's going to be in that league. Um, but I do have an inkling that we're going to have, starting next, I would say late spring, early summer, some foreign signings. Um, in the same vein that Fuchs was signed, uh, that time frame. And I think we're probably going to see some signings uh, that are, I don't know what the mechanism is going to be, loaning down to the, the NP roster um, to get some playing time in. So where Fuchs came and started playing for the independents, I think we're going to see something like that where we sign players specifically to play for us in 23 and then they're loaned down to uh, our, our two team, our city two team. Mm. So I see, I see honestly a lot of parallels in what Charlotte's doing. The more I compare the sporting directors, the more I see, but I see a heavier emphasis on the Academy for us and uh, the NP roster. What do you think? Stu? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, I'm actually been trying to figure out how many of the, 13 guys that signed for MLS next pro are actually going to be, you know, future players or even viewed as future players and not just depth or like, uh, you know, just a lotto pick, see what you get. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I don't know if the quality is exactly what they're going to want on MLS next pro. If, if you want to loan a guy, maybe maybe instead they keep a guy who is going to sign from Poland or something, and they keep him over in Poland for a year um, instead. When you might just loan him, loan him down. Maybe we'll see some loans out to uh, MLS teams. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Um, ooh, I don't know because I I I'm not super. Does the timing of the calendar make a difference? So you're talking if the summer potentially beginning of a of a European calendar, um, that to me is one of the reasons Fuchs ended up playing for the Independents as opposed to being yeah. loaned to European team. Agree. 
Yeah, and also the World Cup affects everything since it's going to be pushed everyone's schedule back a little mm. bit earlier. So that's interesting. And it's a winter world cup, right? I mean, that starts in like November 21st. Yeah. Very interesting. What do you think, Jake? Uh, well, clearly I don't know anything about how MLS works. What do you so, want him to do? But yeah. Like, what do you want to see in your, in your team? No, it, it would be cool to see a lot of the St. Louis local guys, but a part of me, it, I think just looking at other MLS rosters, but, but this is all, uh, we're seeing it all unfold. So it would be cool to see a bunch of local guys. Part of me worries that like we might maybe see one on the bench. I Maybe. It, it, like I would love to see some of the academy kids or if we somehow get some slew guys next season or, or in the draft. But I don't know. I, I just almost see it as a hodgepodge of guys from everywhere. I, I kind of trust the Lutz though. I, I feel like maybe we can see some some real young like European guys maybe come over. Um, just because Lutz is German, so I just think Europe more than the <laughs> the South American, which is what like it seems like most MLS is. So it, it could be cool if he can even develop from that. Is like maybe get some guys from European academies to come through. But then I mean, if they're usually young guys are already starting to play when the un- under twenty threes if they're good or anything. Mm-hmm. Any guys who would potentially be yeah. good to slot in at that level. So I don't really know. That would be cool though. Do we see a uh, a loan from Leverkusen? Maybe. I yeah. Wondering. I mean, it'd be super cool. Do you have someone specific in mind? No, just when I think young Leverkusen, I think Jonathan Taub, but he's been gone for a few years now, <laughs> so I don't know who. Uh, well, I think it goes back to that, the known relationship between yeah. Leverkusen and City, where like we know what, what some of their plans are now with Aaron Hurd, or at least reported. Mm-hmm. So is there a reciprocal kind of pipeline that, whether they want us to develop or experience over here, or maybe Lutz just has eyes on certain players over there that they they don't fit into long term Leverkusen plans, so maybe they come over here. Well, in the way salaries work, I, I know it's easy to kind of focus on Leverkusen, and I just think they're too good, and and they might even want to keep most of their players in house more so than sending them to a league like MLS. And um, we got to remember that Lutz is a scout, uh, just like the Charlotte guy you mentioned. And it just salary wise and talent wise, it's just really natural to bring guys up from South America. And some of the guys he scouted for Hoffenheim were from South America. So like he, he's not just like a German guy who knows German players. He knows everyone in the world. So I don't think we need to necessarily focus too hard on, on German teams, but um, what you guys were talking about with um, MLS next, like I don't think we need to talk much about it. Cause you just hit the big ones there, Stuart, because 13, Pro players are required to sign with MLS Next Pro. Um, only four can be over 23. It's Or three? Only three, yeah. Three, not four. So those are the two main rules that, that were broke this, this week. And I don't know about international slots or anything like that. But I more see that as being a place to put your academy players. And then, like you said, lottery, like 13 lottery tickets. For real. Like, there's local guys that could pan out. And you pray for that. You hope for that. You know, Jake said there may be one St. Louis guy on the team. And I think we need to prepare our brains for that because we're going to hate it. We're going to like we're going to want to riot in the streets over that kind of a thing. But at least we have MLS Next Pro where we can send our academy kids. And I think at best if we fill, you know, three to six slot, like if three to six of our academy players play as subs, throughout the year, or even like if, if Aaron Hurd starts several of those, I think we should be very happy with 
the ability of Lutz and the staff to prepare those guys for that. So um, the last thing I'll say, and maybe we can talk about um, this next, just like pivot into Bradley Carnell, is if Bradley Carnell ends up being our coach, we listed the th- the five teams that we can't draft someone from. Well, Red Bull New York is available in the expansion draft. So if if anyone, if we're going to find like guys for depth or like guys who are probably better then um, they're being given credit for. Bradley Carnell is going to know who those guys are in the Red Bull system at least. So that's something to look forward to, that Bradley Carnell is a guy who knows MLS, that knows domestic players. I personally, I just want to say this officially, I think it's a bad idea to get just load up on international slots, especially when we've talked about, you know, Ben Wright is the one that reminded me in, in Nashville that green cards, if you just hurry your ass up and get a bunch of green cards for your international players, they don't take up that slot. Um, it's, it's a, it's a skip. It's a, it's a cheat in a way, but it's something that like, I don't think international slots are like super valuable. And I think domestic players are good enough to fill those slots in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm just wanted to be on, on record with flyover footy that um, Charlotte FC and all those international slots, I think the game's fine, but the international slots, I don't see value in that. I think Nashville has been proving that domestic players can fill your roster or green card players can also fill your roster and you can do pretty well. Um, well I'm interested to see if Charlotte can actually convert those players into domestic players because there's been some quotes from Nick Kelly and and the um, Zoran Carnetta the sporting director finally looked up his name and and I think there's there's a desire to eventually get it to that point which should be the ultimate goal and I don't know why you wouldn't if you're going to load up on international players as early as they have but it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off by by roster lock deadline which is going to be in February this year right before the season starts so there's not a whole lot of time to do that and I think when it comes to when it comes to our placement on international slots i think i think we're going to attempt to draw heavily from from germany i just i think that's the obvious Mm. answer but you look at what lutz has done publicly a lot of his broadcasts for the euros and for the bundesliga he knows these players i mean he's talked about on broadcast players families and calling and saying he's known certain players for years when dating back to their academy and and youth days so he's it's not like since he's moved here over the past year, year plus, that he's suddenly lost or severed those ties. Like that, that pipeline from with him to Germany exists, and I think that's where we're going to maybe find some of those hidden gems at the very least. I wouldn't be surprised for two or three players in Bundesliga academies or to transfer players over from from Bundesliga or to Bundesliga. And so I see I see that as a mechanism, and I hope if we do that early enough that this thought is already in about how you can, I, I mean, I don't know who in the organization might have this knowledge or these, these connections, but I want to see that type of insight, that type of, of conversion, because that again speaks to leveraging MLS rules where you know that, you know what it takes to, to Ben Wright's point, you know what it takes to not occupy an important international slot because they're limited and they're, you know, they are important, but if you can't, if you can't leverage those and maneuver around those, then it's no better than not being able to spend gam wisely to me. Yeah, one more time, I just want to push back just a bit that I don't. I still think it's a weird, I, and maybe he's going to be a um, someone who like starts this trend, but um, I I just think that Lutz is going to be able to offer what he's offering to Aaron Hurd to guys in South America that he already knows like. 
pulling guys from Germany to the U.S. just to get back to Europe is a weird move. Whereas if you're able to find someone quality, I'm trying to look up this guy's name. I'm trying to remember who the Atlanta United um, like center attacking midfielder is from like Paraguay. I've got it in front of me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's not popping up. But if he's able to find like a random really good player from South America and say, hey, come play for me for two years. You're going to rack up assists and goals in MLS, and I'm going to sell you on to Europe, and you're going to go play. Yeah, Almiron. Almiron, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that would work really well, and I think it'd be a good a good bait to, to like get some really good players here. Well, and to be clear, just I, I think it's naive to think that because Luce is from Germany that our only internationals are going to come from that area. Yeah. MLS, and I know you're not saying that. Right, MLS has a, but to be clear for flyover. Yeah. I think I think MLS has a pipeline in and of itself to South America that's been churning for the past few years, yeah. and it's it's heating up. and And there have been some nuances as far as because we love that word, um, as far as like the price paid and the understanding from South American teams that MLS you can ask a little more premium from MLS because it's kind of out in the open that that's a pipeline. Yeah. But I think from I think it'd be naive for us to think that with the experience that Hackworth brings as well from the way he's built rosters and how, how well he knows MLS that yeah. we're not looking down there as well. Well said. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bradley Carnell, let's talk about this. Man, Man, Manchester United was rumored to want him, and obviously they went uh, another direction. But the fact, there were some quotes, right? Do you know him, Stuart, or should Matt? I know Matt knows him. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but... Manchester United perhaps wanted him. There were rumors, and he said some things that felt good as a St. Louis fan, right? He was. If we read into him, he seems purposefully vague in his reasons for not uh, joining the Manchester United coaching staff. He says, I currently find myself in a situation where there are a number of challenges in the way of a move away from the USA at this stage. Um, I remain focused on the great work that I'm doing in the United States and with Major League Soccer. I didn't hear New York Red Bulls a single time in that statement. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Love it. And, and it'd be hard, in my opinion, it'd be hard to turn down an assistant job at Liverpool when you have an Man assistant U. job. At, oh, sorry. Thank you. At Man U. When you have an assistant job in MLS, which is like not that big a deal, unless you have a head coaching job somewhere. So, And his relationship with Lutz can't be uh, understated here. So they they date back to Luce's yeah. charity work, uh, Global United. I don't think I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's what it's called. Known each other for seven, eight years, and I think that's where the rumors started because they have that connection. And I have no doubt that's we we've talked a long time about Luce's network and whether he's sticking to it or going outside of it. And this seems very clearly like one of the sticking to it parts. Mm-hmm. When did they say they were going to potentially announce a manager? Like, do you think that? Do you think this is? You think they've already had conversations February, and this March. might already be like rolling. First quarter is the last last uh quote that I heard from Lutz months ago. And it was a stay school thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um so like That was where the Carnell yeah. info was was brought forth. So anytime it's that, it's like if one more person comes out, it's like a done deal. At this point I see it as 70-80% chance, right? It's interesting that he's the only name that's come out. Mm-hmm. And that was a co- a month or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, and so far the track record on the leaks are, uh, you know, pretty good. Who was the the one they leaked Absolutely. before that, Stu? Leverkusen? Was it Lutz? It was Hackworth. <laughs> oh, Hackworth, oh, you're right, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right. Well, well Hackworth, 
Hackworth was the same time as Leverkusen, wasn't it? Yeah. In the same, yeah. It was in the same article, yeah. Yeah. And here's my favorite thing about MLS is I'm such a a USL guy, but, like, my favorite thing about MLS is the fact that we have Lutz, who came from Bundesliga. We have Hackworth, which was, like, rumored to take an MLS job or several USL jobs. We have um, Carnell, who's been rumored to go to Manchester United and could possibly be choosing us over Manchester United assistant job. Like we're going to have players linked to us from like teams all over the world. Some of them like first class players and first class clubs. It's so cool that we're linked to like some of the best clubs in the world. And we're not even, we've not even started. It's amazing. Well, you say that now, but in 2025, when our star uh, midfielder is linked with, uh, you know, Tottenham for <laughs> peanuts, uh, I think it'll get old fast. To, I don't think so. Well, and, and the problem is like, I think there was an article that I pushed pretty hard from the athletic from, I think it was stay school. Yeah. Stay school wrote this one and it was talking about like how the amount we're spending on average on our rosters is up there with like air to air to Like it's pretty on par with like some really quality leagues, but the players we have in general on average, each player is not able to sell on like air to players. And so like, it's only cause we're hot. We're like heavily loaded with our DPs and like the changes that need to happen. We're not going to go into that today, but I find it very interesting that like MLS still has some growing to do, like we're not going to be able to sell our players on, but if we're able to grow in those ways in the next next five ten years, probably fifteen twenty, like I'm going to be so happy if we can sell them to Tottenham for hopefully not peanuts, hopefully a little more. Um, if it's a homegrown player, hopefully we can make money on that even. Um, but I will be so excited to like, um, yeah, watch a former city player go on to Europe and watch him play in Europe. Yeah, and you always want your guys to do well. I just. Yeah. Uh, the, the way the EPL rumor mill goes, it can be kind of like oppressive sometimes. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Just connected to everyone. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to have to have that mind that shift of mind where you have to get used to players who might play here for two years, and where we've in St. Louis been used to players who play here for two years going and playing for another team in the same league, USL. It might end up being they're they're rumored to go somewhere bigger, better overseas. And and then that, that it's not just that they're going to play for another team because we track those players still who played for St. Louis at any time. It's going to be players who are going to go off and just be on playing on Saturday mornings, and yeah. and that's kind of an interesting notion that's going to be a constant fact of life for us. That's that's exciting to me, but I want them to succeed though, and I want to I want to make money off them. I don't want it to be. I also don't want them to get stuck in MLS if they deserve better. I don't want to see. I think I hate that the most, actually, out of all the things we've listed here. So, you know, um, but that's that's stuff that I actually I think Lutz is actually going to be one of those GMs. If the GMs have a say um, that is pushing that kind of stuff forward rather than than holding it back. Um, well, he has public quotes, too. Of, yeah. He knows he's he, for pro rel. He's for he's a realist. solidarity play payments. He's like, a realist and yeah. all those things. And he, he wants the system to be to be better for players. He wants there to be. Uh, he wants the, the domestic U.S. system to grow, but he also doesn't want players to wait for it to grow. He wants mm-hmm. to send players off when they're ready and develop them 
so that city's not necessarily viewed as a stepping stone because that's the pinnacle of everybody who develops here. But those who reach the pinnacle and are really shining, he knows that their next move needs to be mm-hmm. uh, to one of the top five leagues. And it seems like he's going to do what it takes to facil- facilitate that. Yeah, I think so too. And someday we'll have this. Uh, it'll be a fun debate. We can talk about, uh, do we want to be Dallas, who never makes the playoffs but sells players to Bayern Munich constantly? Or do we want to be someone like the Revolution, who... Um, this is the opposite of that, let's just say. So, um, you know, all fun stuff. Uh, again, I'm just excited that we're in that kind of com- conversation now. That's the good part of MLS. That's the part I like. Um, we can talk about MLS Next Fest. We can talk about um, MLS Next Pro. The MLS Cup Final happened. Uh, ladies' Choice, anyone want to pick the next topic here? Oh, everyone's pointing at me. Um, I want to talk at MLS M- oh. All the MLXs. MLX. <laughs> MLXXX. That's the Super League. Uh, <laughs> MLX. Uh, no, like MLS that. Next Pro with their horrendous logo. And every time I look at it, it takes me a little bit to figure out what it actually says. Have you ever seen the thing, the, the graphic that pulls it together? No. The one that pulls it together looks cool until it finishes, and then you see the finished product. <laughs> but the way it's like all the lines are crossing, it looks cool until it's done. And then once it's done, it's like, this is a disaster. Yeah. Like, well, who in their right mind came to this conclusion? Like, I feel like my eyes are moving in two separate directions when I'm trying to read <laughs> I, what's going on. So, it, And that's when, all I wanted to talk about was just the her in this logo. I love it. Thanks, Jake. This is good. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> my statement was that, you know, it's a lower level league. They got the lower level graphic treatment. Well, I mean, they kept, it's very, it fits. They kept talking about how they want to um, try new things. That was the quote from some of the, the new execs uh, of the league. They want to try new things in this league. It really kind of gave me like a PTSD to like minor league baseball, trying like the man on second or trying the, the all those weird things. But I, I hope they don't go back to like the, the old school. Um, Bring the shootout back. That's exactly where <laughs> I was going with that. Old school MLS shootout. I, I That, I mean... Try new things kind of just scares me a little bit, but that reminds me of that where they're trying new things, they're trying a new logo, and yeah. don't don't try things in the vein of your new logo. I'll just I think the the thing that it remind like it it just hammers home to me that this whole MLS Next Pro League is which thank God it's not LDL right that's better, but um, it's just to save money right. It's like let's combine the DA and take our teams out of the ra- rising cost that is USL. And just start a league that's affordable, that we can play our kids and pretend it's a pro league. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the vibe I get. And so, like, we're not even going to spend money on getting a real logo. You know, they could have hired someone to put something decent out there. They don't care, right? And and to me, that's that's what MLS NP is going forward, is just those things. I'm Ouch. sorry. I'm I'm a negative. Really, Nancy really taking that, that logo to the first furthest extent there. I don't. But I okay. Here's the positive spin: is that I think City can take something that is just made to do those things and still be successful and still benefit their club. I'm really excited to see what 13 pro players come out of those signings. Are they going to be from St. Louis? Are they going to be from around the country? Just like, you know, again, I think they're lottery picks, but there's a lot of really cool names that could be on that roster, and I'm, I'm excited to see that. So here, devil's advocate to you, because I'm always doing that. Please do. No, I, thank God you're here. So <laughs> so imagine your city, who's a, a team in the league, and you have your academy system built up. We're talking like, let's say three years from now. And you've got your academy, you've got your main team. What if MLS NP didn't exist? 
like what would happen to those 18 plus year olds who like they're going to get there. Like they just need a little bit more push. Like what do you do with, and you have a, a group of them. What do you do with them? Do you loan them all out to USL league one, USL championship? Like what do you do with that group? Well, don't you think the two teams would still exist in that situation? Well, my scenario, cause you were talking about how this is just kind of like, it's, it's not my, my point is the purpose is to be that link to, it's a necessary mechanism for a team that wants to have a, a top to bottom, uh, roadmap, mm-hmm. a, a pipeline straight from your 14 year olds up. This is a necessary component if you're building that infrastructure and independent of conversations with uh, U.S. soccer, independent of ProRel. I'm actually thinking it's more similar to Premier League teams that have their two league, their two teams. They're, they're under 23s where they have pipelines that go straight from their youth programs on up to and, and regardless of over there, regardless of what league you're in, if you drop down the championship, if you are in the Premier League, you have your two teams, you have your pipeline. This, in and of itself, like if you're looking at an individual team, is that. And so we could argue all day long about whether or not the league should be sanctioned as D3, whether or not it should be competing with uh, rival leagues in that same division. But from a, a purely team-based concept, like you need this as a pipeline. So it... Absolutely. And I realize I'm arguing for it as almost like a reserve league type thing. Um, so it's, it's just interesting how it's developing as you're, you're a pro league, you're bringing in contracted players. It's definitely an American spin on it. Mm-hmm. But I think in and of itself, like it's a necessary mechanism that truly does bridge the gap between the MLS team and everything below it. So, so if you were looking at like the evolution of MLS, you're looking at the evolution of MLS and bringing in academies and focusing on, on growing your own individual players. This is the pinnacle of that to me. And we're kind of jumping in right at the ground level. Yeah. The split I think was very natural. So I know I was really negative, but it's a very natural thing for us to have arrived in this situation where the USL back when they were working together for two teams, especially the first several years, it just like it, it worked for both groups to like just have the two teams in USL. It just, just a symbiotic sense. relationship. Yeah, it would help both sides. And it just got to the point where USL got too decent to be ho- having reserve teams on all the time. And now they have a league where they can be reserve teams. 40 people can show up and watch it. The biggest nerds and no one else can show up and watch it. And it's totally fine because it costs almost nothing, right? It's to- it, it just works better for everybody. And it it is. It's a really good point that it is a lot more like the Premier League setup than it is like um, what used what we used to have here in American soccer. It would be fun to deep dive into the like a little bit of the history of that because the way the USL ended up growing is due to MLS two teams. Like whether I mean that's that's something people gloss over a lot, but I don't think USL would be anywhere near where they are now if it wasn't for the stability that the MLS two teams provided there at the beginning. Well, not the beginning, but in the early aughts. If they even made it this far, they'd be like three to five years behind where they are now. I agree with that. Yeah, Battery and uh, Riverhounds, I think, are the only two teams that are remaining from that era from USL. Now that the independence dropped. Now that the independence dropped. No, even before that because it was uh, Charlotte Eagles. At the time. That's right. And then 2013. So crazy. Fun stuff to talk about, though. Again, uh, uh, this is good stuff. I think we have one more topic we could handle, or we could end right here. Why don't we talk about MLS Cup Final? It was a fun one. Um, you know, 
what is it? The third PK shootout in the playoffs, if you count all the playoffs. I'm, I don't care for that. I'm but. not personally a fan of PKs as a. I, I mean, there's a lot of history, a lot of fun moments of PKs um, winning championships. Uh, women in '99 is obviously like one of the, the pinnacles, but I, I just I don't like the concept ultimately of PKs. Let me interrupt. Let's let's spin this positive because there were some really cool things about the MLS final, and I think the biggest one, especially we should talk about is Providence Park was freaking awesome. And they just expanded it to 25,000 fans. We're going to have 22,500 in St. Louis, and it's expandable to 25,000 or so, which is awesome. And um, we could have that environment. Apparently, like, when Portland scored that um, extra time goal, is it extra time? Um, Stoppage time. Stoppage time, time, thank you. I always mix up the two. Um, They said that, that stadium erupted like it was the loudest thing they'd ever heard in their lives. And it makes sense. It looked like a blast. Stuart, looks like you got some things in your mind. Oh, uh, it's like they were weren't just positive talking. things. And go negative. I don't care. No, this is not going where you think it's going to go. Um, it is Providence Park related, but apparently there is a stream that runs underneath the park that you can kayak underneath Providence Park. But they have a guard stationed by it and some sort of security around there but i've I've, that's that's a rumor i've heard is that you can actually go underneath so that's like forest park you know that about forest park too right uh stream or you mean river de pair how you can like yeah it like runs under the park doesn't it yeah but i i don't think you can fit through no i've heard about people who can kayak all the way through yeah oh wow I feel like you're our a story. Under, like literal underground insider here because you I love you, it. You were I love caves. I love yeah. the darkness. Yes. I love misery. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two or three people that would love a podcast about these kind of things only. <laughs> That's super cool though, for real. I'm glad you said that. Uh but yeah, <laughs> no, I, I did see some videos of the uh, fan reaction, like fan videos of that uh goal, the tying goal in uh in Timbers. Uh, my favorite moment of that whole whole day was uh, Ronnie Delia. Is that how you pronounce it? Dyla, I think. Dyla, yeah. The uh, city FC, uh, New York City FC coach stripping down. <laughs> uh, making good on a bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And I. I didn't know it was a bet till today, and I was glad. Yeah. I was like, thank God. There was, it was a, a reason bet. behind it. He didn't just randomly <laughs> have so, too much champagne and just go. Yeah, for it. It, it's the third time he's done that. Cause he did it twice in Norway when he was uh, there earlier. And that was maybe the funniest thing I saw was that. So a bunch of um, just, you know, Twitter, soccer channels, <clears throat> football channels, since I think a lot of them are European picked up and kind of ran with that and seeing the Twitter reactions of some of the people in, in mm-hmm. Europe that are like, Oh, yanks are ruined soccer. Um, <laughs> You're like, well, he's he's Norwegian, so if you want to blame the Norwegians, then okay, fine. <laughs> Talk to Erling Holland, I guess. I think he's Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Martin Odegaard. Uh, Jake would know. He just he just uh, said that that was true. Uh, well, check I out BBB Pod. I was watching Dortmund the other day, and my wife comes in, and she's this has happened multiple times. She's like, well, it's always Holland on screen when you're watching Dortmund. And she's like, have to. he is so German because she knows I'm watching Bundesliga. So at least she knows that. I'm like, well, actually, he's from Norway. I he's told a you Viking. That. I told you that last time. <laughs> How dare you not remember? Keep up, woman. 
Um, love it. The other funny thing about that is that I guess Providence Park has like a. Did you guys see that they have a workout center attached to the yes. building? Oh yeah. So were there like dudes it. on their like exercise the bikes? Recumbent bikes. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. They like didn't have one, to buy a ticket. They like just had to have membership. They just had to have a gym membership. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I love that they weren't just like standing and blocking the windows. Like, it's not popular enough to block all the windows. There's still dudes like they're just working out. I, I like to about. think there's a security guard telling them, no, you can't do that, as opposed to it not being popular enough. Yeah, let's they, go with that, Matt. They probably let's told go him, with that. <laughs> <laughs> they probably told him, if you're going to be in here, you have to be working out. Like, you yeah, can't I like just it. Because the camera's going to pan over here. At least make it <laughs> look good, true. Guys. We can't. At least for that five seconds, they're like, all right, everyone, get back. <laughs> all right, now you're good. Camera's off. It, it's coming over again. It's coming over <laughs> There's, like, squirt bottles full of beer. <laughs> it's, like, dudes with, like, beer guts and big beards, uh, like Portland does. Um, the cool. one thing that I, the one thing that I, I took away too from before the match is there were people lining up outside of Providence Park for at least two days prior to kickoff. Oh wow! And I think it was the uh, the extra time uh, radio guys who were doing an interview with people in line, and there were just I mean the entire stadium was completely surrounded by people uh, earlier in the day waiting to get in, and so I'm imagining that kind of thing like down the line you know, no, no grand illusions here, but down the line and seeing that kind of uh, a reaction and imagining what that would be is, is pretty cool to think of. Yeah. And letting the Luligans in two hours before the game. Did you see that too? Oh yeah. They yeah. had the entire Timbers army. Timbers army was completely was packed. Yeah. Would we let the Luligans drink for two hours before <laughs> the game started? Um, in a related story, <laughs> someone threw a beer at a player <laughs> during that game. I, I'm just saying um, they did. They did find and kick out the player. Bam! Yeah, they took care of it. They but took care. That of it. was awful. Yeah, they got arrested too. Good. Yeah, it was. Good. It was two people got arrested for that incident. Yeah, I'm sure the Luligans are telling all of their people this in their podcast. But like, just in case, hey, it's up to the fans to turn those people in and shut them down and make sure they get punished and kicked out for for life if possible. Policing your own. So we all get yeah, police your own. We all got to take care of that. We all got to step up as fans to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen ideally. And then if it does happen, we do our duty in that way. So um, I think we should end with Jake. Jake, um, oh, no. you do. You're a radio DJ here in St. Louis, but you're also a radio DJ in Portland. So like you said, you were having to uh, step lightly. But you yeah, did some like no. really cool stuff before the game too. So <laughs> so I tried to get uh, Taylor Tolman, Tolman to listen to me on the radio um, in Portland because he posted outside Providence Park. It was like an Audi ad. He was like in front of an Audi, posted up in front of Providence Park. So I tweeted him. I was like, oh, make sure you set all the presets to Z100 Portland. And and then I, I actually on air, I shouted him out. I don't know if anyone caught it. I I sent, well, I sent it to you guys of me, like the actual me on air calling out Taylor Tolman. Uh, like, hey, Taylor Twelman, I saw your tweet. Mm-hmm. Make sure you set up the same thing. Same thing as the tweet. And then I I was showing my wife, too, and I was like, there's a chance. I know there, there's a lot of soccer fans in Portland, obviously, but I was like, there's a chance that at the time this played, like, maybe two people heard me say Taylor Twelman. They're like, oh, like, they actually knew who he was. Mm. Not to belittle him or soccer or anything, but that's just how radio works. It's very quick in and out. So it's like, I mean, no one tweeted me or anything, so I don't know. You're clear. He, I he mean, didn't tweet me. People like, knew. People I, knew. Jake. Taylor saw that. I'm sure. Taylor looks at all of his his <laughs> tweets. So he does. His, everyone, all of the replies. I, everyone I go to my Twitter doesn't. and like it five days later. And no, I'm just kidding. But send him a link to the podcast. <laughs> but I did. So I was on. I was actually on Sunday, 
on air in Portland Sunday after the game, which I was hoping was going to be hype. Because I, like in Portland yeah. specifically, I talk about the Timbers all the time. I always give updates. It's just a fun thing to do. I'll do it in St. Louis once we get there. Yeah. Um, and then I was just like, ugh. I was like, I, I think my first break, I was like, I wanted to come on here and be very excited. And now it's just sad. Mm. And now let me play this song that will make you dance. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a very poppy, happy song while we're all sad. I should have played Adele. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. You're like, yeah, you don't have many options, but that is a good one. Um, but yeah, it would have been cooler if Portland won and oh, you could have had like I, a I celebratory like, week or two. Yeah, I would have I would have pulled some of that audio and we could have played it on. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's everything we got for today. I think some of the topics we didn't cover that maybe we can all uh, start talking about on Twitter or push to next week is the uh, City Foundry pop-up shop, which was really cool. Um, the Charlotte kit dropped, we, you know, and everyone said it looked like a, a Panther Blue uh, Arsenal kit. So we can all kind of banter on that for a while. Wait, I got to ask a question. Matt, were you the first person to find it on, I mean... Someone took a photo of the one that you shared, I guess, but were you like one of the first people to like share the leak? Oh, I kept bringing it back up. Okay. So there was a guy in Charlotte who took a picture at a Dick Sporting Goods yeah. like a month ago where they just put it out on this on the rack and that spread everywhere. And so I, I was consistently letting them know, why are you doing a reveal? It's already out there. Like it's, <laughs> It was for sale. You can go buy like, it. At your Dick Sporting Goods. <laughs> You always feel bad for the admin, right? They got to go through the motions even when stuff was leaked months ago. I, I couldn't say it was a bad looking kit, though. I never said that because it was a Panther Blue Arsenal kit. And I do enjoy how the Arsenal kit looks. I actually do, too. I did see That's a the tweet. the nicest thing you'll ever hear me say about it. <laughs> when, when they dropped the, uh, when they did the reveal, I saw a tweet. I was just scrolling through and one of them was like, is this the same one that they were selling at Dick's a while back? And someone's like, no. They have kids ones now. It's like, no, it is the same. <laughs> Literally the same <laughs> The size one. doesn't make it a different jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> same. Just informing the world. Thank you, Jake. Um, Academy MLS Next Fest. So Scott Gallagher and St. Louis City um, competed in, the, in that competition. Just three games each. Um, and so you can look up those results if you haven't already. And maybe we'll talk about it next time. Otherwise, um, I'm sure lots of... Uh, oh, an MLS schedule dropped today as well. So and The last MLS schedule before we're a part of it. Yeah, the last one before City is involved and um, MLS free agency is open. So I think lots of news is going to keep coming out. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be back in two weeks at the latest. Guys, we've been consistently putting out shows for you guys, and I think it's going to continue now that Jake's here holding us to it. So... Thanks, Jake. Thanks to everyone who's listening. We'll be talking to you soon.